Those with a drive to go have an undeniable calling. They are not content to simply have a transformative idea. They want to create and build. They want to wrestle challenges to the ground and bring solutions to scale. They are makers and doers. They are go-getters. Go-getters features straight-up conversations with leaders on the forefront of change who are taking action to impact our world, just as Lehigh people have done for more than 150 years. Join us as we explore their challenges, their passions, and what makes them go. Hello, I'm Joe Buck, Vice President for Development and Alumni Relations, and welcome to Go-Getters. I have the privilege of being here today with President John D. Simon. John was installed as Lehigh's 14th president in October 2014, and he will be stepping down this summer after six years on the job. During his presidency, Simon led several major initiatives to strengthen Lehigh's infrastructure and programming, including implementing the Path to Prominence, a plan for strategic growth, the launch of Go, the campaign for Lehigh, and the university expanded presence on the West Coast and on the international stage, and the opening of Lehigh's College of Health. We're pleased to have this opportunity to talk with him before his departure. John, thanks for being with us. Thanks for inviting me. This is a real pleasure to have the tables turned for one of our conversations. Um, John, uh, I, have, I have a lot of questions and there's a lot I wanna to talk to you about, but I, but I wanna start on something that I, that I learned about most recently and it involves kind of reflecting on presidential life. At a recent board of trustee meeting, you shared some anecdotes uh, and some conversations that you've had with alumni with the board of trustees. And, and you were illustrating that the, the job is about people and not necessarily running a hierarchical, hierarchical organization. Now you did this by referencing the Grateful Dead and you, you aligned with a bunch of different Grateful Dead songs. I'll, I'll come back to the Grateful Dead later, um, but I'm interested in what are some of the stories you shared and what Grateful Dead songs did you tie those to? Well, it's funny you should bring that up, Joe. I uh, Actually, I think the, uh, the job is entirely about relationships, uh, both for uh, getting things done on campus, um, for encouraging alumni and friends of the university to get involved and contribute to the university. I think the number one job of the president is uh, building relationships and uh, helping people understand how they can really advance the institution. So a uh, couple of insights into that, uh, that evening with the uh, trustees. So, uh, so I'll give you an example of, of one. Great. Um, uh, so I used the uh, song title, uh, Big Railroad Blues. And so one morning uh, in October of 2016, I arrived at the office to find Harold Milton and James Newt Wilson, class of 63, and members of the 1961 Lambert Cup team, and they're lifelong friends, and they were sitting in the waiting area out in front of my office here, and they wanted five minutes of my time. So I invited them into my office and I noticed that Harold was carrying a paper bag with him. And it began with him looking at me as soon as we got in my office here and said, uh, there's something wrong with your head. Um, and as you can imagine, you know the types of emails that 
come into the president's office periodically, and I sort of wondered, you know, where is this conversation going to actually go? That's a nice salutation, you know, compared to some of the ones that I've seen that come across your email box. Um, th that's true, <laughs> and 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 I wasn't saying he was wrong, and uh, so that he uh, he pulls um, uh, a Lehigh engineer's hat out of the paper bag and said that they were there to get my headgear right. And with that, they wrote, they read to me this poem that they had written. And the poem was, now that you lead the brown and white, we'd like to get your headgear right. As Simon says, let's walk the walk, not flutter like some mountain hawk. This is the time, be a good cheer, for you are now an engineer. And what I'd say of this is, you can't make this stuff up. So uh, later um, that fall, uh, I went to the 50th, you know, 50 year game club lunch in, uh, in Asa Packard dining hall and they were both sitting at their table and I also showed up with a paper bag. And I said, if there's one thing I've learned in this job, you have to learn how to wear many hats. And I pulled the engineer's hat out of the bag and put it on my head. And I don't think I've seen two happier alums uh, than how they reacted at the lunch. But what I can tell you is I'm not sure what Joe Sterrett thought. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, so uh, so that's I, I just great. thought back over the six years and the, um, there were uh, all kinds of um, stories. Uh, so, so I think the... Uh, um, I think to create it, you have to uh, lead by asking questions and, and not lead by putting out there what it is you want to do. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the things that uh, I quickly came to believe after uh, being at Lehigh for six months was that uh, there, there were a lot of really excellent programs here but there wasn't very creative thinking about what to use that foundation for in advancing the institution. And I remember talking to uh, Pat Farrell uh, pretty uh, in depth about ideas he had for the future of the university. And then the disconnect was how do you get people excited about doing those types of, of things? And, and so uh, I, my, uh, interactions with uh, faculty, staff, and students um, when I joined, whether it was uh, their senates or any type of meeting, was actually not to offer um, insights into where we were going, but to question them about where they wanted to go, yep. right? So uh, I don't think it's the job of the administration to know the answers to all the questions. It is the job of the administration to choose between you know, the best alternatives of what the institution could do, and there have to be winners and losers in that, but you should really mine all the great ideas that, that exist yeah. in, the, in the people who work at the institution and frankly know the institution better than, than, than you do. Yeah. So I think you uh, create that through sort of um, you know, active, uh, active listening, design thinking approaches, and you challenge people, but then you have to deliver. Yes, and right. there were plenty of winners. And, there were and, plenty of winners. And I'm gonna ask you to reflect on, I'm not asking you to pick your favorite children, uh, but I am gonna ask you to reflect on, you know, of the winners, like what are, what are some of the things, John, that you look back on 
uh, with pride. You know, what, what are some of the things that, 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 that were accomplished over the six years that you're most proud of? Um, so I, I'd say uh, I'm probably most proud of what we accomplished in the space of entrepreneurship because I got to watch how it changed lives of students on this campus. Uh, and, and so I, I'd spend a lot of time, you know I spent a lot of time in California, and I spent a lot of time at the NASDAQ Center and, and spent a tremendous amount of time with students that participated in various programs that, that brought them out there. And there are, uh, I'd say, many cases where students uh, career trajectories and career aspirations were changed by accessing a culture and a, an approach to uh, careers um, that they'd never heard of before, right? And, and so since, since I believe colleges, are, colleges and universities are there to transform people's lives, both students and faculty and staff, uh, and our focus is mostly on the students. Uh, I could tangibly see you could touch right what was what was being done there, and and listen to their stories about how they were about to go and embark on pathways that they never conceived would be possible in their lives. And since I'm uh, deeply committed to this transformation of student concept, I'm most proud of that. I think the longest term impact at the university uh, will be um, uh, getting people comfortable with thinking of the university operating at a different scale. And so that's both in the size of its populations and in its intellectual footprint. And the College of Health is probably the the biggest addition to that intellectual footprint. I'll venture to say that it will not be Lehigh's last college, it's just its most recent college. But the idea that you can maintain the personal touch that Lehigh is known for and increase its scale, getting people comfortable with, with that concept, um, uh, I think has been a big step forward for the institution. Let me circle back to California. I I, I appreciate your description of what that was afforded to students. I think you would agree that California is not the only place that that could happen, but you really made California a real priority for, for the institution. How did, how, where did that come from? How did that idea germinate? And, and you know, at its most basic level, like why California for you? Mm -hmm. So uh, it actually came out of a conversation with Pat Farrell. So uh, I asked Pat, uh, at one point, what the two highest priorities uh, he had that he'd been unable to implement and, and why those were priorities. And one was to have a physical presence in California. And the reason given was that uh, Lehigh's reputation is tied to um, its sort of uh, activity along the, the business engineering spine. And yet the center of uh, entrepreneurial activity is Silicon Valley, and we're disconnected from that. But that uh, a lot of the entrepreneurial activity that happens out there is technology-oriented, 
right? And so the, the next thing that could really accelerate Lehigh in sort of a, a national reputational frame would be to connect its programs and embed them in that uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. I thought that was a great idea, and at, the, and at the time, I agreed also why it hadn't been implemented. It didn't know how to do it. You know, you can't just go out to San Francisco, hang a shingle on a building, and say, you know, we're here now to play in this space. So when Lisa Getzler um, came into my office with this idea that we could partner with the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center, uh, I think I shocked her by telling her we were going out there next week, <laughs> right? And we went out there, negotiated the deals, signed the whole thing. And that gave us a, a footprint through a partnership that had influence and connections into that ecosystem. It also gave us a footprint and partnership into the global ecosystem. Whereas uh, NASDAQ was interested in the Silicon Valley opportunities, it's really interested globally. And that led to partnerships in India, it led to partnerships in London, uh, and actually uh, several other locations around the globe, and discussions of joint travel to look at other ventures together. So it, it is bigger than San Francisco, but I think that's an important hub for this type of activity. And it's an important step for Lehigh to be able to say that it has physical presence in areas beyond Bethlehem. Yes, yes. Speaking of Bethlehem, and, and I think the answer is part of your scale uh, uh, efforts, but they're, they're in various stages, but you've been a part of Transforming Lehigh's infrastructure with, with, with several capital projects over the six years, arguably more than, you know, in, in previous eras for, for, for Lehigh. What was the focus on some of those capital projects and, and some of the buildings and some of the, the things that are either in motion or completed? Was that another avenue of scale for Lehigh? So I'd say we tried, uh, we, we carried out probably three different types of capital projects. Uh, we have... Uh, those that are residential, uh, those that are uh, academic, and, uh, and those that were just simply renovations of buildings that were required because of, uh, it was just their, their time. So, uh, um, so in, in the uh, residential space, I made a deal with the mayor. Um, that when we decided we would expand the student population by a thousand, we would not put any of those students into Bethlehem. So we would not increase actually the number of houses in Bethlehem that uh, would rent to students. So we didn't want to have a open season on people coming in and pushing families out of South Bethlehem to house our students. So that required building about a thousand beds on campus. And in doing so, we wanted to change the nature of student living in buildings that were owned by Lehigh. So if you look at what was done and now the Hitch, Singleton, and Meta houses, uh, those are much more than just dormitories. There's all types of 
of spaces in those buildings that can be used academically, used for student activity programming. You can eat in there, you can work out in there. The same is true in Southside Commons. And so these become much more than just where you go to sleep. They actually become places that are um, you know, brought to life to encompass everything you do as a student, including your academics. So that was really important to me, and I, and I had seen some great examples of that at other universities when we took uh, tours when we were actually designing those spaces. Uh, the academic buildings, um, we went back and forth between renovation and building. It, it turns out in really high-end research space, it's cheaper to build new than to convert some of our very old buildings into modern facilities. And so that ultimately led to HST, but it wasn't clear initially whether that should be built on the Asa Packer campus or up at Mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And that led to deep discussions about what the possible sites were and then what the purpose of the building would be beyond those who would simply occupy it to do their work. Right. And we ended up choosing the Whitaker site because uh, the focus of the College of Health includes community health. And here was an opportunity to put on the Lehigh-Bethlehem border an activity that clearly was gonna benefit and engage with the South Side. And if I look around the perimeter of the Lehigh campus, the number of buildings that actually open themselves up to the community or invite the community into them is few and far between. You might say that people come up to watch shows in Zollner, but I think they mostly drive to the parking garage to watch shows in Zollner. So what we wanted to do was create a real sense of engagement with our community. Uh, Lehigh is the Lehigh is the dominant economic engine in South Bethlehem, and South Bethlehem is also looking to us for economic leadership in the city as well. And so as we thought about these building projects, as we think about the business college expansion, we need to think about how the campus is actually going to contribute to you know, the quality of life in South Bethlehem. John, are there any other, I'll call them special memories, are there any, any special memories that come, to, that come to mind or that you'd like to share with the audience as you reflect on the, on the past six years? Uh, <laughs> now that's a loaded question. Uh, we could go in a lot of directions there. So, uh, so the, the, the memory that immediately comes to mind is very personal. It's... Uh, Family weekend of, uh, I believe it's family weekend of 2018. Um, I'm sitting on my front porch, uh, I'm standing on my front porch, uh, greeting parents as they're coming to the house. And out of the front door, uh, my son Evan, who is class of 19, comes walking out wearing my suit, my Lehigh tie, exactly as I dressed for my first photo of arriving or being announced as president of Lehigh. He is gray as hair, 
and he's wearing a pin that says proud parent, right? And I just break into hysterics because I'm looking at me. <laughs> and and um, you know, he gave me a lot of grief about it because he asked me to tie the tie the night before. So I didn't connect that I was what actually was setting my, myself up. And, uh, and so uh, after, I mean, it, it's the hardest I've laughed in my time as president. And then we both stood up there for the next half hour or so and greeted parents as, as they came. And then after that was over, we walked over to Linderman. There was a party in Linderman uh, for, for families. And Evan started to drift off with some of his friends. And a, a student that was standing next to me said, uh, she, she said to her friends, so I was just overhearing it, you look at that guy over there. He had the nerve to dress up and look like the president. <laughs> <laughs> For, for those of you that are new to the podcast, that picture is exists. It's out there, and we'll we'll put it on our uh, inside the uh, inside the podcast um, some some supporting documentation on our website. But that picture does exist. I've seen it, so we'll we'll, we'll track it down. I mean, that, Evan, Evan was the source of a lot of. Uh, um, it, it's amazing to be able to go through the college experience with your son. Yeah, yeah, and be and, president and of the be same president university. and. And to have, uh, there, there is a story I, I told in my uh, inaugural tour that, that you can even have people who don't know he's your son and then ask them if he's ever had the opportunity to meet me. So, uh, uh, so it's, uh, it, was, it was always, uh, it, 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 uh, it sometimes would relieve the stress during high stress times. I, I imagine yeah. so. One of the happiest that I, I, I've seen a range of emotions, John, with, from, from you and we've shared together. One of the happiest that I've seen you was at Evan's graduation. Oh, it's an amazing moment. Yeah. 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 And it was, uh, um, yeah, it was just an amazing moment. And, you know, I got to see it again this year. Uh, I got to watch it twice. You, you could see that when uh, one of our trustees, Jordan Hitch, went up and hugged both of his sons, one at the 2020 uh, graduation and one at the 2020 graduation in 2021, I was sitting there watching this thinking, I know exactly how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a very special moment. You're listening to Go-Getters podcast from Lehigh University, and we'll be back in a minute. How can artificial intelligence be used to combat human trafficking? What will future finance jobs look like? How do algorithms improve efficiency? If you're looking for insight on current hot topics or just love to learn, join a Mountain Talk. In these 30-minute video chats brought to you by Alumni Relations, a Lehigh expert shares new discoveries and perspectives on challenges facing our world today. Listen live or on demand. Visit gocampaign.lehigh.edu slash engage. Hi, I'm Garrett Linderman, Lehigh class of 2020, and my voice might be familiar. During my four years at Lehigh, I spoke with thousands of alumni as a caller for the Lehigh Fund. Being a Lehigh liner taught me how important the fund is to supporting the Lehigh experience, especially the financial aid that I depended on. Now that I'm on my way to law school, I am more than ever aware of the value of my degree and the impact alumni can have through the Lehigh Fund. Please visit give.lu slash go-getter to make your gift today. Thank you.
John, you um, thinking back about your time, you know, as a you know chemist, department chair, provost, university president, right? You have, and I'll come back to the chemist part in a moment, but you you've kind of reinvented yourself several times through your academic career, and I, I'm wondering if you will share what is the next reinvention of John Simon when you know when he's finished being Lehigh's 14th president? What's the next chapter? for you look like? So the, uh, you discover in this job that you have uh, different types of responsibilities that you never knew existed. And, and I had a lot of time, I spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C., and I spent a lot of time uh, with our elected officials. And, and it was interesting to think back that I always had access to our elected officials. If, if I asked to see uh, um, people in, in either the House or the Senate, I didn't get their staffer, I got our elected official. And that's because of the um, importance of Lehigh in the higher education space. And so you'd go spend uh, time with these individuals, um, didn't matter which political party, and, and you would discuss issues facing higher education and Lehigh in particular. And I look at that, that these issues are going to lead to some type of legislation down the road. And I just think there should be voices at the table from the educational sector in how much of a sledgehammer is used to address some of these concerns. Right. And so uh, next year I'm a a uh, senior research fellow at the Belfer Center at the um, John F. Kennedy School up, up in Cambridge, which focuses on science and technology policy in a global context. So I'm really interested in these problems. I think they're highly uh, important for higher education that university leaders actually spend significant effort focused on these problems. And so for me, it's just been... Uh, it, it's a, it's a, just been a career journey. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's probably the last chapter. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't believe that, but it's the next chapter. Let's call it the next <laughs> chapter. John, one of the a story I want to tell. One of the it was unintentionally a funny moment that we had, and it has to do with with chemistry. After uh, Pat Farrell left, and we had some candidates for the next provost, there was a chemist in the pool of candidates. And yes, you was. and I were talking one time, and you said aloud, I wonder if anybody would be, be concerned that the president and the provost were chemists. And I very quickly reminded you that no one at Lehigh thinks of you as a chemist. <laughs> and you had this moment of, of like, I, I had crushed your soul a little bit, but, but we laughed about it. But uh, um, is there any, uh, where, what role does chemistry play in, in your future? What role did your your uh, academic background or your, or your thinking as a chemist? What, how did that influence your journey? So, so I think uh, I remember that moment. <laughs> and and uh, it's an identity moment, okay? Because uh, I, I think that uh, those of us who um, rise through the academy, right, who, who go through uh, the full set of academic promotions and who's, uh, when you hit your research plateau and as much as, no one wants to admit it. We all hit our research plateau, yeah. and and it, and if that plateau allows you to uh, 
you know, travel internationally, right, and really participate on the international stage in, in research, I think it, it, it's just, uh, it, it, it is our identity more than being a college administrator, right? I think we, we those of us who go into administration uh, do so with the idea of enabling faculty to achieve similar career paths, if not better career paths, than we achieved ourselves, right? And feel that that, that commitment uh, will be more rewarding than, than trying to enhance our own research reputations at that point in time. And then to have that uh, then influence what the student experience actually is. But the identity is one of, uh, you know, discipline and and the research in in that discipline yeah so uh so that moment you talked about <laughs> was sort of uh, a reminder that no one currently cares at all about where you have your identity <laughs> and and it's true and, and and it actually uh you know should be true right uh so whereas for the future it, it's a fascinating question it's actually interesting you asked me this today because I contacted an assistant professor in chemistry here at Lehigh whose research field is pretty close to what my research field was. And I have a book collection on all the topics related to this, right, that I've built over 30 years. And my meeting after this podcast is with her so that she can take anything she wants uh, that she thinks will help her and her group uh, have background materials or, or, or whatever. So I'm, I'm now trying to figure out a way to pass all of this on that I possess uh, to the next generation because I don't see chemistry as a discipline having um, any role outside maybe teaching, mm -hmm. right, in, in my future endeavors. But I do see having the training of a scientist and understanding how science is done, and I'm still pretty current on a variety of fields, having a major Im impact on how I approach people about policy. Right, yeah. right. Let me, let me transition to your personal life, John. This, this job is all-consuming. Um, are there specific things beyond going to Kennedy School and, and, and the work at Harvard, are there things in your personal life that you're either looking forward to doing again, doing for the first time? Mm -hmm. um, what, what, you will have some found time. What, what do you, how, how do you plan to fill it? Uh, I plan to have a lot of found time. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I think there's, there are several areas of the world Diane and I would like to still see. So I think there's, uh, there's travel in my future. Uh, might have to wait a little while for some of the areas that, that we would like to go to. Uh, and, and I really uh, enjoy just thinking about the fact that I could wake up somewhere and not have a meeting that I have to go to, right? And could just like explore various towns, right? See the sites and be a normal uh, tourist. Uh, so I think there's 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 travel I want to do. Uh, there's a lot of uh, I like to read. There's a lot of reading I'd like to do. I, I, um, let me stop you there for a minute. Yeah. I, I, I 
you, you beat me to the punch. One uh, an observation that I always made in all of our travels was that you always found time to read, right? You, you know, whether it was a half hour on a plane mm -hmm. or, you know, in, in a hotel while we were in between meetings or something. Like, you, I know that was so important to you and such a priority. And so I, I hope you don't mind me stopping you there. I'm just, no, you I, I, just, I, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what, you know, you always seem to have a book in progress. I'm curious as, and you selected a book for our alumni book club, uh, at least once, I, I think. Oh, at I least think once. that's true. Yeah. Um, so what, what are you reading now? What, what's on the agenda for for you book wise ah um so i i've i've been sort of alternating my uh my reading um uh i've been reading a lot of victorian literature so to answer your real question I, i'm reading charles dickens bleak house right okay. now um, i'm also reading a book by daniel kahneman called thinking fast and thinking slow and 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 so is one of our trustees, Mark Vactus. Okay. And we've been having, we have like our own book discussions periodically about how disturbing this book is to us because it's telling us how we really think. Uh, and and uh, I, I'll just speak for myself. I consider myself to be a pretty logical thinker and you find out, well, maybe you're not as logical as you think you are. Um, and, and then I've spent the, uh, a, a good part of the last year um, reading a set of books that Donald Alding has uh, suggested to me so that I, um, I better understand uh, the history of race, and the challenges of, about race uh, that are um, you know, captivating the attention of our society right now. So I, I'm pretty open to reading anything, uh, but uh, I don't know, I got on this Victorian literature uh, kick and uh, um, probably fueled a little bit by our Lafayette president who has made lots of suggestions to me because it's her specialty. But, uh, but I do like to read and I actually, I like to read fiction and I think you can learn an awful lot about how people interact with each other through fiction. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of the things that I always admired, just your commitment to reading and what it, how it kind of... Um, satisfy you personally that you always yeah. found you always found time for it it's my relaxing downtime yeah yeah mm. so you mentioned travel we traveled a lot and business travel is different than traveling for pleasure as you and diane uh, um, are, are going to do what if anything will you miss about the travel part of the job uh, so so i would say uh i got great enjoyment out of the travel part of the job um, I mean, to me, the uh, the highlight of uh, the six years were um, were meeting people and hearing their stories, and and I'd say the the job gives you access to to people both within the Lehigh community and outside the Lehigh community who have just led a fascinating and successful lives and they love to share their stories and the discussions that you can have about uh, listening to those stories sharing your own story and then how to connect all of this to where it can advance lehigh's story is uh, i think one of the greatest intellectual challenges 
I, I've ever faced. And, and so for those who think that it's all about, you know, shaking hands, having dinner, uh, stuff like that, the puzzle that you have to put together to take someone who uh, likes some aspects of what the institution does, hates other aspects of what the institution does, right? I mean, we're as complex as any city and figure out how to connect their passions, accept that we're not perfect in everything we do and engage them to actually contribute their time, you know, energy, connections, financial resources as they can is just one of the most intellectually challenging things I've ever had to do. And I will really miss that. And a lot of those meetings and conversations that you just referenced were the, the kernel of the idea for this podcast. Um, and we called it Go-Getters for a reason. You launched a podcast, John, you know, back in 2020 as, as our first host. And I'm, I'm trying to be, uh, to, to, to keep, you, you passed the, the torch. So I'm trying to, uh, to do right by what you launched here. So you've been on both sides of the microphone, so to speak. Would you rather be the host or the subject? Uh, <laughs> I think it's much easier to be the host. <laughs> uh, uh, although, um, if the if the person is truly introverted, it's hard to be a host. <laughs> yes, yeah. that, that is. That, I, I agree with that as well. I yeah. experienced that myself. Um, a few final final questions uh, uh, for you, John, if you don't mind. Is there, you know, thinking about leaving leaving this this uh, uh, th this position, you know. It, this may not be the actual last time you can address the Lehigh community, of course, but it may be one of the last. What, what, what would you say, what, what words of, of advice would you give to our students, right? What would you tell our, our students here at Lehigh as they think about their own college career mm -hmm. and, and their own trajectory? Yeah, so, um, so maybe I'll speak to their career trajectory, which I think college is an, an enabler, yeah. right? It's sort of the, the first big step that differentiates them from uh, people who uh, don't go to college, right? Or, or also uh, don't get to go to a college of the quality yeah. of Lehigh University. And, and I look at uh, you know, the, the students I've met, um, this is a, a, a incredibly talented community. People are highly motivated. Uh, I'd say Lehigh students create things. I, I mean, I've been really impressed whether it's the arts, you know, theater, choir, whether it's what goes on in the makerspace. This is a very a creator and creative community. And, and I would ask our students to remember or, or to, to frame their future in thinking about you know, post-college, I would say there are uh, job takers and job creators. Okay. And, and I would challenge our students to think that uh, they come from uh, the set of experiences and, and they've shown the potential to be among the best students in the nation, that I would encourage them to take the risk to become job creators nice. rather than job takers, right? Because 
if the statement or the feeling is true that half of the jobs that Americans will have in 10 to 20 years don't exist today because of how industries are going to change and what's going to happen in the world, our students have the background and the education to create that world. And so I would encourage him to take that opportunity. And I would encourage our uh, alumni to support them. I was going to ask you that. What would, yeah. you, what would you say to our alumni, parents, and friends? So, uh, so I would say uh, there are a lot of people like that. You and I have met a lot of people like that Very in true. our alumni. And I think they should uh, come back to campus, engage with our students, and explain to them uh, the trials and tribulations and potential successes of going down those paths. I mean, you only get to live once, right? And so uh, I would encourage them to get involved, um, to be mentors, and to encourage people to go out there and really you know, create your own path. And lastly, for this set of questions, John, what would you like to say to our faculty and staff? Um, so uh, I think I think the education at Lehigh is superb. I got I got to watch it, you know, firsthand. Yeah. Right. I mean, got to watch uh, Evan go through electrical engineering, and as he likes to remind me, it's the hardest subject in engineering. Right. I think I think that's a jab at me because people like to think physics is harder than chemistry. So. Uh, but, um, but I think education is really changing and the experiential side of, of education is accelerating. I think Lehi has some leading edges on that and I would encourage our faculty to think along those lines and how to uh, expand the classroom setting into more uh, engagement, group work, experiential learning approaches and to make uh, the educational um, component of being at Lehigh more than the scheduled time in the classroom. Uh, I do think it's the future of education. I feel over the next decade, the schools that really figure that out and do it well will win. Um, John, this has been a, a tremendous uh, honor for me to have this conversation with you. We could talk for hours. Uh, we have. Uh, we have. <laughs> Re reflecting and, and uh, recollecting on, on Lehigh. So I, I just want to say, you know, thank you. It's been an honor. I want to wish you well. And, and I know that um, the Lehigh community will be, will be rooting for you. I know you'll be rooting for us. And, and it, you know, this is not certainly a goodbye. It is mm -hmm. uh, uh, until next time, as they, as they say. I would like to close with one question that I'd like to ask our, our guest. It's not an original question. It just happens to be one of my favorites. Uh -huh. um, and so I will close the podcast by asking you, John Simon, what do you know for sure? Very little, Joe Buck. <laughs> uh, I think the only thing I know for sure is uh, I got to be out of the house by July 31st. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Lehigh's 14th president, John D. Simon. John, thank you. This has been Go-Getters, a podcast from Lehigh University hosted by Joe Buck, Vice President for Development and Alumni Relations. This is Rachel Shoulder, undergraduate class of 2016, graduate class of 2017.
On behalf of the entire Lehigh family of students, faculty, staff, alumni, and parents, I would like to thank President Simon for everything that he has done for the Lehigh community. His charismatic, approachable, warm, and introspective presence will be missed around campus and representing Lehigh around the world. Best wishes to President Simon. Special thanks to sound engineer James Plotkin, co-producers Aaron Firestone and Janet Norwood, digital marketing director Alyssa Banotai, and the Lehigh University Office of Development and Alumni Relations. Go inside the episode at lehigh.edu slash gobetters to learn more about John Simon and his tenure as president. Don't forget to subscribe to Go-Getters on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice, and take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so other listeners can find us.